hey, this episode of the True Girl Momcast has something it's never had before. <laughs> Do you know what that is? <laughs> uh, why don't you tell us, Dana? It's a sponsor. <laughs> it's brought to you by Bible to School. Bible to School mm. is a program that provides free elective Bible classes to elementary school children attending public school. It's amazing, too, because they do it actually during the school day. Mm-hmm. Children walk or a bus to a nearby church or a, like a partner location where trained volunteers engage the kids in lively worship and Bible stories. It's amazing. Yeah, I love it. Children learn how to apply the Bible lessons to their lives and pray together. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. Learn more at BibleToSchool.com. Welcome to the True Girl Momcast, where we'll learn a lot, laugh a lot, and have biblical conversation about raising daughters, because the struggle is real. But guess what? You, my friend, are not alone. I'm one of your hosts, Janet Milan, and I'll be joined momentarily by my friend, Anna Gresh. And Shani actually won't be joining us this week because she is on tour with the True Girl Pajama Party Tour. So if you see Shani in your hometown, make sure you give her a big hug. Special thanks to Bible to School for sponsoring this episode. They are our first podcast underwriter, and we are pumped about that. Thanks, guys. Today on the podcast, yes, you'll hear some of the issues and fears surrounding the topic of gender in our girls. But even louder than that is the hope God gives us as moms through his word and prayer. Also on the podcast, I'll teach you how to do the moonwalk, and Dana's ability to communicate the truth of God's word will bless your socks off. Let's dive in. So when I wrote Lies Girls Believe, our team surveyed more than 1,500 church-going tween girls. And the first words the girls who took our survey read were these. To take this survey, you have to be a girl between the ages of 7 to 12. How do you feel about being a girl? Mm -hmm. 48% chose it's great to be a girl. 46% chose "Mm, sometimes it's hard, but I usually enjoy being a girl. 1% chose I don't like being a girl. And 4% chose, I don't think there's any difference between boys and girls. Mm. You know, first thing I want to say is this. These numbers reflect something really important. The percentage of people experiencing gender dysphoria in our culture is in the single digits. And that's what we see here in our True Girl survey. And it is a real problem, even among our church-going girls. And we have to be compassionate about that. Right. And gender dysphoria, um, that's, you're talking about clinical gender dysphoria. Yeah. And by that, there's pretty much, there's, there's strong agreement that true gender dysphoria, that is being uncomfortable in your biological sex, really always shows up in early years. We're talking preschool Mm -hmm. and Um, there's just a a discomfort with identifying with the biological gender. It's Mm -hmm. not what we're seeing by and large in these teenagers suddenly saying, I don't, I don't know if I want to be a girl. It doesn't come that late. Right. Right. If it's real. Right. So I want to read some of the comments that girls in that 5%, I don't like being a girl, or I don't think there are differences gay because they had, they had the opportunity to give some comments right in the survey. So let me read what they were saying about that. So here's one of the comments. I'm aware that girls are treated and perceived differently than boys, even though girls can accomplish anything. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've I've experienced that even as a my first book was for high school Mm. girls, teenage girls. And I just didn't have the same opportunities that men my same age who were writing books for Christian teens Mm -hmm. wrote. I didn't experience the same opportunities. Interesting. So 
Interesting. And, and also I don't like the saying of like, you can do anything because (laughs) (laughs) there are just some things I can't do. Right. Like I'm just not able. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Like, well, for example, one of the most interesting things I read once was uh, military. I don't know if it's, it's like the it's not the Navy SEALs, but it's one of those super secret military <laughs> groups, you know, that right. they're highly, highly trained and specialized. Mm-hmm. Like there were only men on this group and they added females, but it, it part of the training was like three days in the wilderness carrying X number of pounds on your back. And the women couldn't do it because their hips started splaying and separating under that weight, mm-hmm. which is something that never happened to the men. We're different. Right. right. And those hips, you have a baby? <laughs> Boy, do they splay. Is that the word? Yes, yeah, splay. I don't know. And thank the Lord they do. <laughs> yes, that's very helpful during that time of taking the human out of your body. All right. Mm-hmm. One of the other comments they gave was, it's harder than being a boy. That being a girl is harder than being a boy. Hmm. Have you felt that? I don't, I don't know. I do remember um, with one of my daughters having like the talk with her and we started talking about menstruation and Mm. getting your period and all that and childbirth and all of that. I remember her, I don't know, she was young. You know, we start when they're young talking about those things. And she was like, well, why don't boys have to go through all this? (laughs) Like like she was starting to line up those dots in her head. Like, I think we just laughed like, well, they couldn't handle it or just, I don't know. I don't, it's just God has uniquely equipped us to handle some of these other things, but there are things guys have to deal with that we don't have to deal with too. But that part of it definitely feels harder yeah, and the fact that we have so many distinct stages in our life, like men just kind of like they start their careers and having a family doesn't as much impact them. But for me and for most women, it does. You know, I, yeah. I wanted to be home more when I had babies, little ones at home. And so I was and it just it created ebbs and flows in my career life that my husband didn't have to experience. Yeah, there's different obstacles for yeah. each gender. Yeah. Um, but blessings, too. Yeah. For sure. My kids liked me more than him when they were like six months old. They're like, I want mommy. So there's there's blessings too. There was like a solid year where one of my kids, I don't know if she knew existed. So (laughs) she was all, she was daddy's girl. I'm like, all right, she'll come back around. And she did. All right. Another comment was, I want to be strong like a boy. What Mm. do you think it means when I hear a girl say that? I'm like, is she talking about she wants to be like physically Hmm. strong like a guy is or is she talking about i want to be perceived as strong like guys mm-hmm. are i wonder yeah what was behind that comment could be anything like I, I mean we have a mutual friend who was like an athlete and you know we're getting older now but when we first got to know her susie like she could play basketball on the mm-hmm. basketball court and was better than legitimately better than a lot of the guys on the court and so it wasn't even fun for her to play basketball with women because she was so good. Yeah. Um, right. So there's like that for some of the women who are athletic, there's that factor. Yeah. I definitely have, um, I know I have a, a woman who's in the peripherals of my life <laughs> who it's really important to her that she appears as though she can do mm. anything a man can do, like yeah. physically. Like I can move that, I can push that, yeah. I can lift that. And at times it's like, well, you know, you see it's not yeah. coming from a whole place, too. Uh, like, it's coming from a kind of yeah. insecure place of what? how do I prove myself? Wow. This is, like, her way of proving herself. So it's a fascinating conversation for sure. But um, here's the, the deal. We're getting more and more letters from moms asking for help navigating this conversation about gender. Mm-hmm. Like, the letters aren't the same as they used to be. We're still getting those letters, too, of, you know, some of the things about 
insecurity and identity and, and stuff and like body that. image things. But this conversation around gender is definitely coming up to the forefront. Even if their girls, the mom's girls aren't in that 5% of needing some extra tender support of mm-hmm. true clinical gender dysphoria, their girls are being exposed to messages that are extremely confusing. Yeah. And <laughs> that's the word right there. Confusing. Yeah. Uh, for me, this really blew up. Um, I guess in December of this past year, because one of the once trusted sources of developmental tools and toys proved themselves to be really careless about inappropriate content for their target market, which is these tween girls, Mm -hmm. Um, American girl I'm talking about. And I've actually told moms how thankful I am for this brand to provide age appropriate dolls. and, And they really do do that. Like their dolls are not sensual in any way. They're very age appropriate. But the end of last year, they released a book titled A Smart Girl's Guide. And the subtitle was Body Image Book. While the book normalizes being transgender, promotes the use of puberty blockers and encourages free gender expression. Mm -hmm. And the figureheads in the trans community, leaders in the trans community, came out and essentially said, you know, this is going to confuse more girls than it's going to help. So like, it's not even just those of us, there's a pro trans community saying you cross a line here. And um, that's just confusing. Right. It's confusing. Right. And we need to pay attention when people who don't even necessarily claim to follow Christ are saying, wait, this isn't healthy. Mm -hmm. And we experienced that when we did the How to Talk to Your Kids About Pornography workshop. We talked about the Common Sense Media report. And some people were like, well, this isn't a Christian report. And that's the point. Like Mm -hmm. the people who don't have the same values, plumb line that we have of truth are also saying something's up. Something's really up. Right. Like, let's pay attention here. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, really big topic. And it matters so much so that we're going to stay focused on this topic this month and next month from kind of two different angles, I guess. Maybe angles isn't the right word. Two different viewpoints or teaching topics. I don't know. You'll understand. This month, (laughs) we'll focus on helping your daughter understand why gender matters to God. So, Dana, go ahead and get us started with your scripture snack. Here we go. Research and experience really seems to indicate that many children experience gender nonconformity of some type. So a girl might like to play with trucks or hunt with her dad. Or maybe a boy loves the color pink or gardening with his mom. So those desires wouldn't fit into cultural stereotypes. Um, and cultural stereotypes are actually the focus of next month's True Girl subscription box, the Hooray for Girls box. Mm-hmm. And it's meant to really help us discuss acceptance for the differences we all experience as girls. We think that's really important. But this month, we want to encourage you to have a conversation with your daughter about how important being a girl is, even if she may express it differently. Because God created gender. God loves gender, and God wants your daughter to love being a girl. And so let's talk about why. So culture is eager, obviously, to redefine gender. We're seeing that all over the place right now. Friends, media, even well-meaning therapists Mm -hmm. invite developing minds to question whether their gender matches their biological sex. So what are you doing to really prepare your daughter to believe truth in the midst of this cultural conversation? And I should probably put a little side note in here that you can't always depend on the church at large to provide a healthy way to respond. Mm. I think a lot of times we've been guilty of entering the public discourse with either painful accusation or heartfelt but misguided affirmation of all Mm. this confusion. So we really have to prepare our children to respond with what I call convictional kindness. 
They need conviction to believe what God's word teaches about gender, but they really must learn to express these beliefs with kindness. Dana, before you get into this convictional kindness thing, because that sounds awesome, (laughs) Mm. I want to ask you a question. I have encountered moms who um, have gone to great lengths to protect their daughter's ears from these gender confusing messages. So they don't watch any TV or Mm. they don't go to public school or um, they don't go to school at all or they, you know, they, they don't read these, they don't read books unless mm-hmm. they've read them themselves. You know, like yeah. they're just very, very diligent about like sealing, sealing their daughter off from those messages. And they may be thinking, I don't need to listen to this because my daughter's not hearing those messages and yeah. she's not around people who are confused. So she doesn't need this kind of language. Um, although I think the numbers are growing of them having family members, like, you know, yeah. cousins or aunts or uncles or whatever, who they may come into contact with. But I'm just curious what you would say to that mom who's like, I don't need to really hear this or get this kind of equipping because I kind of have it covered. Yeah. I would say at what age or stage are you going to prepare her for this conversation? Mm -hmm. Because if all you do is shelter her, it's just going to be shell shock when she hears it from somebody else or from you, unless you do it in a developmentally appropriate place. And what we kind of know is that sexually speaking, gender speaking, the ages of about 9 to 12 are really important for planting truth. And that doesn't mean it doesn't matter the whole our whole life long. But those years, if you look into mm-hmm. the, the research of social science, we tend to decide what we believe. Like we've lived enough life and we've watched what mom and dad believe, what our teachers believe, what influencers believe. And we've spent a few years by then asking, why do they believe that? Now, we're not saying that out loud, but our, that's right. what we're doing with our questions in our hearts and our minds. And so between the ages of 9 and 12, if you don't answer the whys – it gets really hard to plant um, foundational truths about these things. So you've got to be talking about sex and gender between those 9- and 12-year-old years. Right. So it's the idea of like putting tools in your belt and in her belt mm-hmm. because eventually you can't shield off her ears and eyes forever. Eventually, right. you know, part of growing up is letting yeah. them. Listen, my four-year-old grandbaby daughters, twin girls, mm-hmm. um, we were out in a public place when they were three and between the ages of like three and three and a half, they were obsessed with, is he a girl? Is she right. a boy? Like that's just, right. they were figuring it out, right? And they saw someone who was transgender and they were, their faces were shell-shocked. Like they just looked like, I don't know even what to ask Nana Dana about this. Right. So they haven't seen television programs about this. They haven't read articles about right. this. They were exposed. I had to have a conversation with them about why do you look confused? They said, I don't know. Is that a boy or a girl? Mm -hmm. And I said, I think maybe they're feeling a little confusion about that too. But what I do know is that you're a girl and God chose it and it's great to be a girl. And Mm -hmm. I just kind of veered the conversation back to what I knew was age appropriate and safe for them. But you're going to get exposed. Right. Anymore, at some point or another. These days, and we, yeah. at True Girl, are always talking about it is way better to be the first person to inform your kid about all of these things. Yeah. Because that's the most powerful. So important. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's so important. Yeah. Um, so back to that convictional kindness piece you're talking about, when I hear you talking about that, it occurs to me that we often hear asking a child, like, why is like the worst question you can ask mm. them, which I've done many times. I still do with my teenagers. Why did you do that? And they're like, uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but what we're talking about here is we're teaching them the why behind their actions. We're not asking them why do they do something wrong, but we're like, 
this is the reason that that we respond in this way. And our actions, our discipleship of our daughters, we can teach them the why behind what we're calling them to do. And in this case, it's an understanding of the necessity and power of God's word. Yeah. Convictional kindness. Yeah. Well, and to kind of help them understand that, let's look at the example of Jesus, because he displayed convictional kindness in such a beautiful way. When he walked this earth, people sought affirmation from the religious world to redefine the covenant of marriage. Mm -hmm. Specifically, they wanted to marry and divorce at will. Mm -hmm. So some Pharisees asked Jesus about it, but I mean, they didn't really want to hear Jesus's opinion and wanted to trap him. They hoped his answer would cause him to lose the respect of the masses. Um, so he talked with them. We, we read this account in Matthew 19, 3 to 8. Janet, you want to read that? Yep. The Pharisees came and tried to trap Jesus with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one, since they are no longer two, but one. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. Mm. So there's a lot happening in this conversation, but when confronted with a sensitive cultural conversation, Jesus pointed back to creation. Mm -hmm. He wanted to affirm and explain what God originally intended when he designed marriage and biological sex. He said, from the beginning, God had originally intended. Those are really important phrases. From the beginning, God intended that male and female come together in marriage, and when they did, he would make them one. When Jesus affirmed truth, he pointed his listeners back to Genesis. You and know, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I am thinking about our, our gal, Nancy Guthrie. I say as mm, if we know her. Yeah, well, <laughs> Maybe she, you I do. feel like she's my best friend. So Nancy Guthrie and also the Bible <laughs> Project, guys. Mm. Those are two people that I feel like every time they teach about something, it goes back to Genesis. Yeah. And here we are again. And going back to Genesis, all these main themes of the Bible starting right there in that yeah. first book that we have written down. So that's fascinating. Here we are again, back I in Genesis. I think that's the best way to answer our why questions, mm-hmm. because otherwise the church is so fast to turn to the thou shalt not scriptures. And I don't like that right. approach. I like, what did he permit? What did he design? What did he want? Right. So when you go back to Genesis, it's such a wise example for us to follow. Jesus did it. Jesus and Nancy Guthrie did it. So it's good. <laughs> Jesus she's, and Nancy she's in Guthrie. good company. Um, um, but we can do that when we face questions about gender. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to re- root what we believe about sex, sexuality, and marriage in God's original intentions. He created us, and he knows better than we do how our bodies, our minds, and our spirits work. You know, we have a mutual friend, a pastor named Darren Tyler, who puts it this way. The one who designed us gets to define us. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. The one who designed us gets to define us. Yep. In the beginning, God chose to make us male and female. And like most artists, his creative choice has meaning. Within the design is a picture of himself. Janet, could you read Genesis 1.27? Sure. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Mm. So embracing our femaleness as men embrace their maleness somehow enables a lost world to see God. 
Hmm. A lot of things reflect his image, right? We're intelligent, worshipful, creative. We've defied gravity to fly spaceships to the moon, and we've unlocked languages to communicate with one another. Why doesn't the Bible reference those things? It only mentions our maleness and our femaleness, two binary genders, which are an essential part of looking like him. Hmm. So the question then is, why are they an essential part of looking like him? And I think one reason may be that it displays a unique aspect of the social nature of the Trinity. So we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three distinct, yet they're one. Three distinct people, personalities, entities, and yet they're one. In the Old Testament, the word for God's oneness is echad. You can see it in Deuteronomy 6, 4, which says, echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Mm. Echad. Echad. Like and it is, it's, it's, it's a, a hakalugi type word. <laughs> I'm going to name my next dog. It's not a delicate word. <laughs> yeah, it's not a delicate word. <laughs> So, you know, the interesting thing to me about this is that male and female come together in marriage and they also become one. And the Bible uses that same word, achad, to describe the union of one man and one woman in marriage. We see that in Genesis 2, 24. You know, that's, I think in this way, gender helps to complete the picture of looking like God, looking like a social being that becomes one. So this truth is critical. Now, at the same time, I mean, that's truth. That's conviction, right? Mm -hmm. But then we got to enter into kindness because even though that's truth, it doesn't erase the pain and the complexities of children and adults living through the confusion of not identifying with their biological sex. Gender dysphoria is real. Um, If your daughter struggles with that pain, I want to say this. Ask God to provide a loving Christian community to help you, and I pray that you'll find that. If your daughter doesn't face that, I pray that she would be a part of that loving Christian community, that she'd be a source of compassion, and that Mm -hmm. you would be too. But please understand that compassion does not displace conviction. We can trust the Bible to answer our questions about the body, sexuality, and gender, but we do live in this fallen world where we need to equip our children with conviction marked by compassion. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like um, there's some moms right now who are like, I want to do that, but I I need prayer. So mm-hmm. let's just pray. Yeah. Um, don't close your eyes if you're driving. You know. <laughs> let's pray. Lord God, um, you see every mom who's listening to this right now. And you see that um, we need your help. We need your wisdom. We all need to know how to live in this world and equip our children um, with this whole idea of conviction that is like kind of upheld by compassion. So I pray for wisdom, for discernment, for every single mom listening, including myself, Lord, and pray that you would just give us like direct, specific, in the moment, things we can do or say or pray for our kids and that that would just increase our faith that you are for us and for our kids god we need your help lord and we trust you to help us raise our kids Mm. amen amen i want to read our bible verse of the month here at true girl because it puts like a really positive spin on all this it's psalm 8 3 through 5 when i look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers the moon and the stars you set in place What are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? 
Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. Crowned. You are crowned with glory and honor. God has put this gift of reflecting his image onto your daughter like a crown. It's not a burden, but a blessing. And I want to tell you one simple way that you can help get this message into her heart. So the True Girl subscription mother-daughter date for this month involves going on a moonwalk. And the good news is you can actually do this even if you're not a subscriber, although if you become a subscriber, you're going to love that too. But this is going to involve, the moonwalk is going to involve the largest object lesson, the world's biggest object lesson. In short, your tools are the moon and the actual sun, right? Mm -hmm. Big, big things, the moon and the sun. So this is what the moonwalk will look like. You're going to go outside when the moon is showing because that's really going to be helpful. Yeah, <laughs> right? that's the moon a is actually prerequisite, visible. not a cloudy day. <laughs> yeah, so get out your weather app, figure out mm. when that moon's going to be visible. And you're going to go out and look at the moon together. And even though you'll be looking at the moon, you're going to be thinking about the sun. It'll be the sun's light that makes the moon glorious. And that's the whole point. After all, we have no light of our own, right? If not for the light of our father, we would not shine in this dark world. The moon illuminates or glorifies the sun. This is a wonderful and easy way to explain to our children what it means to glorify God or reflect him in our lives, to be image bearers. So that's a, that's simple, mm -hmm. right? Just go for a moonwalk. And you can actually do the moonwalk while you're going on the moonwalk <laughs> if you want to. If you can. If you're that skilled. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> but that's it's just a simple, a simple object lesson. There's mm. no real lesson to present. It's more of a guided conversation about a really important truth. And... You know, you can do this. You've got yeah. this. This can be really helpful. So, Dana, if you were going on a moonwalk with your daughters, they're adults, mm -hmm. but now you have your grandbabies, yeah. right? And another grandbaby coming very, very, very soon. Very soon. What would be something you would want to say? Well, I did this object lesson with my girls when they were like uh, true girl age, you know, so 10, 11. I think Autumn was a little older, like 14, 15. Um, but if I were to do it today, and you could do this with a teenage girl or a young adult woman, I would tell them that I have lived parts of my life, seasons of my life, trying to light up the world without the light of the Father, not knowing I was a cold, dark stone, that I didn't have that mm -hmm. ability to bring value and warmth and light and comfort to the world in and of myself. Mm -hmm. um, those periods were periods where I was trying to seek out my own purpose, my own plan. And it generally was a period marked by frustration, loneliness, purposelessness, even though I was trying so hard to have purpose. But when I have illuminated my own heart with Jesus and his mm -hmm. word, being in community, worshiping the Lord with others, and I hang around with friends like you that just point me to him, his light saturates my life. Mm -hmm. And then all of those things happen much more effortlessly. Mm -hmm. So it's a lesson that I think once you're past the basics of what it means to glorify God and we don't have any light of our own, um, it's a lesson that puts you on the trail of purpose. Right. And you said cold, dark stone, and that's a nod sure. to a Sarah Groves oh, lyric. Oh, I, yeah, I even forgot. Right? I love Sarah Groves. I'm a Sarah Groves junkie, groupie, whatever you want me to call call me. I like I binge on her all the time. And she has a song. You are the sun. You are the sun. Mm -hmm. Right. I was going to say, what is the title yeah, of it? And there's this line, and I'm the moon with no light of my own, but still you have made me to shine. Yeah. 
And that would be kind of cool to listen to that with your with your daughter. Maybe yeah. find it. it's called "You're the Sun" by Sarah Grove. Yeah. But that's an incredible song. I think if I was walking with my girls now, my girls are currently. 21 and 16 so they're older but i would look at them i'd look at lucy with her long blonde hair and her blue eyes and her fair skin i'd look at Mm. eve with her jet black hair and her tan skin and um and i would look at them both and i'd want them to know that while they're both reflections they're unique reflections yeah so their lives their personality their body their gifts will reflect things about the lord that other girls won't right and that's really important that's really important. Um, and we were actually, I'm not going to say the name of the tour in the fall, but we have a tour coming out in the mm. fall, the New True Girl Tour. A big part of that is the idea of that we need to be reflections of the Lord in our own unique way. Exactly. And that's really important so that other people can hear and see and experience mm-hmm. different parts of Jesus because of who we are. So that's what I want them to know. I'd want them to know that they are a unique reflection. And that's something we're actually going to talk a lot more about in detail next month on the MomCast too. Yeah. True Girl Global is coming to your living room on April 28th. True Girl Global is a live stream of the True Girl Pajama Party Tour. Obviously, this is awesome for those who didn't see the True Girl Tour bus come to their city. But it's extra special because we are putting the Pajama Party Tour in the vault, so to speak, to make room for a new True Girl Tour releasing this fall. So on April 28th, we're going to live stream the event we're doing in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. So while we'll have the room full of in-person moms and daughters partying in their PJs, you can join the party with us no matter where you live. True Girl Global is also great for those who've been to the event and want to see it again or share it with their mom and daughter friends. It's the True Girl Pajama Party Tour right from the comfort of your own home. And yes, you will receive a recording of the live stream the very next day to watch when it's convenient for you and your daughter. So mark your calendar for April 28th and check out the link in our show notes to join us for True Girl Global. Hey, Janet, guess what? <laughs> what? I'm going to be there. <laughs> I actually knew you are going to be there, and that's awesome. Me too. I'm going to be there too, along with Stacey Rudolph, the True Girl cast, and our much love PJ Panda. So join the True Girl Global live stream event on April 28th. So we hope you'll join us next month. We are going to debunk gender stereotypes. And um, while I'm talking about it, don't forget to subscribe to the True Girl Momcast so you don't miss that episode or any of them. Next month, our True Girl subscribers are going to be receiving the Hooray for Girls box. It includes everything you need to talk to your daughter about gender stereotypes and to write her a permission slip to be the kind of girl God made her to be, whether she's a girly girl or a tomboy or something different. Now, if you're not a subscriber, I want to invite you to join us starting this month. Subscribe today and we'll ship your first box, the Hooray for Girls box. As always, the highlight of every subscription box is the mom-daughter date. And the Hooray for Girls box mom-daughter date provides all the scripture and conversation prompts for a great date, but encourages you to customize it with your girl's hobbies and personality. Now, after the mom-daughter date, girls will spend the entire month immersing themselves in biblical truth about being a girl through our daily devos. Those are all written by Shani and Janet and me and a lot of other teachers we love. Now, this box, I love this box. It's packed full of fun reminders that you can be any kind of girl God wants you to be. We're going to send some summer fiction reading from our True Girl series, a bookmark making craft kit, and a bookmark from the Good Book Mom, someone we love a lot. You should follow her on social media. Plus, memory cards, a True Girl Club patch, and a whole lot more. Basically, it's all designed to remind your daughter to embrace the kind of girl God created her to be and to remember what matters most is not what color you like to wear or what your hobbies are, but fearing God. 
go to mytruegirl.com and you can subscribe today.